pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, at 106, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Right now, as I said, it's 106 on this Monday. And this portion of our program, folks, is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Hey, maybe you've been cooped up in the house. Why not pop out of the house, get yourself a nice meal at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and a great crowd. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, right now it's 106 on this uh, Monday final <coughs> final. Uh, Monday, final day, actually, of January. And this has been, this has just been a, um, it's just been a difficult month. Month. It has been a very difficult month. February can't come any any sooner. And February is tomorrow, where finally we get folks at least a new month. You know, this is, um, without question, um, when you, you look at, at least, for instance, tonight, it starts to be light out past five o'clock, but this month of January is just an all timer. I mean, I just don't remember the last time that uh, we had such a a difficult month, either between the way things are going with the president and inflation right now and the price of everything. Um, now, I also want to. President Biden is pushing back on some of these secret flights with the the illegals coming up from the border, but it's all true. He was finally asked about it. He can deny it, but it's it's without question. And as many of you know, they have been uh, coming into Quonset and because Rhode Island put themselves on the list of saying um, Rhode Island said, hey, we'll we'll take as many illegals as you can send us that came over the border. I also want to play. I haven't heard this just yet. People are telling me about this man who he needs a kidney transplant. And it's my understanding, North Carolina man. So he needs a kidney. And they're saying, they're telling him he's a double amputee. He's undergone major heart surgeries in the past. Has kidneys that are only functioning at 4%. He's currently undergoing dialysis three times a week while he seeks out a transplant. So the hospital refused to conduct the surgery Unless he and his kidney donor are both vaccinated and he's refusing to get the shot. So I think this is an interview um, where let me um, play. Yeah, here we go. On Channel 9, a man from Burke County in desperate need of a kidney transplant says he's been denied the surgery because of his vaccination status. You will not change your mind. No, sir. I was born free. I'll die free. I'm, I'm not going to, I'll not change my mind. Chad Carswell says he has more than 100 people all willing to donate a kidney for him. But Atrium Health in Winston-Salem says he can't have the procedure because he's unvaccinated. Our Dave Faraday spoke with Carswell and the hospital about their policy and decision. Chad Carswell has faced many hurdles in his life. He's a double amputee and has undergone major surgeries on his heart. But it is his kidney, which is only functioning at 4%, that has him undergoing dialysis three times a week, leaving him in need of a transplant. Without one, you know, there's no telling how much longer I'll still be here, but I have to have a kidney, you know, to prolong my life. Carswell says that friends and local businesses raised money for the transplant. He then came here to Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem, where scans and tests were done. But then he was told he needed something else to be fully vaccinated. Said, you know, the last thing we need to talk about is your vaccination status. And that's when I politely told him there was nothing really to talk about. It wasn't up for debate that I wasn't getting it. Um, and then he told me, you know, you know, you'll die if you don't get it. And I said, I'm willing to die. Carswell says he was also told anyone wanting to donate also had to be vaccinated. The hospital says their policy follows the current standard of care in the United States, saying in a statement, the reason it is recommended is to provide protection for the patient. Transplant patients are at high risk for severe illness if they don't have pre-existing immunity prior to being transplanted. Carswell says he's had COVID-19 twice and doesn't believe he needs the vaccine, even if it means he can't get his surgery. 
I've not changed my mind. I've had conversations with my family and everybody that's close to me. They know where I stand, and there will not be a situation that occurs that I will choose to change my mind on this topic. No, sir. Reporting in Winston-Salem, I'm Dave Ferry. Again, you know, folks, uh, ultimate, you know, free country. He's making the decision. Um, he, he's, he's willing to do whatever in order to get the kidney, but, but won't get the, the vaccination. So not sure what to make of that one. Um, he, he, he will have to live and his family abide by whatever decision is made with that so now folks good afternoon at 111 i want to um again it, uh, to me it's a news alert because governor mckee is going to have some questions to answer channel 12 has a new update on this story that they that they broke about this contract that governor mckee gave out to some friends of his and where this is problematic for governor mckee is channel 12 now has an update on the story and as far as how damaging is the update of this story, well, the state has ended their contract with the company. So that doesn't sound good. So the question is going to be, what is it that they were able to get $5 million? They formed a company. It was right around the time that Governor McKee uh, was then, you know, then at the time, Governor Gina Raimondo was leaving office. So then they were, he was, Governor McKee was coming into the office. But just how how bad is this story for Governor McKee? Well, the, this, this ILO group that initially had the, had the contract, they've, they're no longer doing anything with the state. So... That that doesn't sound very um, that doesn't sound very promising, especially if in fact now you know there's going to be new developments. Uh, the ILO group is no longer working for the McKee administration, so that doesn't sound positive. Six months into the deal, worth up to five million. I don't think this bodes well for the contract is complete. So they're going to try to point to all this work that they had done. But, you know, it's, it's tough to get away from the fact that it, it would seem that one of the, or if not the reason, that in fact that they're, you know, now no longer going to be handling it is, is in fact because of the attention drawn to it. So I think we have some... Um, I think we have some audio on it. Governor McKee was trying to defend it in different in different places. One time he did defend it, obviously with Channel Twelve, but then he was also uh, defended it and tried to say the work that these people were doing. And but it's folks, you notice like with Governor McKee, it it's certainly starting to take on a feel of it's like you know one thing after another here. So now this goes back to September, October, and I want to play. Um, so the his people were definitely involved, seemingly holding the hands of these big donors to him of how to pitch the state business on it. And all right, let's hear. This was the uh, story initially. Tuesday. At this moment, the Senate Oversight Committee is holding a hearing on how the state awards contracts. Right, this is, hold on, ILO contract hearing. Um, million dollar taxpayer funded contract. The company called ILO Group is run by a team that worked for a close confidant of Governor Dan McKee. Target 12 investigator Tim White joining us live in studio. Oh, Tim, multiple go. developments just this afternoon. First, that hearing, as you mentioned, happening right now. Yeah. Plus, your team has obtained emails from the Department of Education about the controversial contract. What did we learn there? 
Well, Brian, those emails show how closely the governor's team was tracking the contract process and that it was clearly a top-level priority. One email shows the governor's then-senior deputy chief of staff was consulted about what the bid should look like, and about a month before the contract was awarded, McKee's head of the Department of Administration wrote to an attorney working on the deal, please keep me updated on process progress so, so that I can manage expectations appropriately, end quote. It was around that time that ILO Group was added to what's called a master price agreement. That's a process that gets around the regular bidding procedures. By early summer, the company had secured the contract worth up to $5.2 million. And Tim, our colleague Ted Nisi is covering the Senate Oversight Committee hearing right now. The House Oversight Committee is taking this up tomorrow night. Right. And we know the head of the Department of Administration, Jim Thorson, is set to testify. And Kim, he is the author of that email we just talked about. So expect questions on that. Lawmakers will also likely ask about a Zoom meeting that happened just days after McKee was sworn into office. On the call was Thorson, the head of state's pur purchasing department, the governor himself, and the future CEO of ILO Group. Now, a spokesperson for the governor says the head of ILO did not end up attending that uh, Zoom meeting, but lawmakers may want to know what was discussed. No one, I should mention, from ILO Group is set to testify today or tomorrow. And the money going to the firm is from federal coronavirus relief money that went to states. The governor has told us he was not involved in choosing the winning firm for the contract. Right, but members of the General Assembly have expressed frustration that the executive branch tapped into the federal money when lawmakers have said they wanted more say on how these funds are handed out. Along with these hearings, the head of the Senate Finance Committee told us last week he too will be asking questions at a separate hearing tomorrow. So Brian and Kim, suddenly this contract is under the microscope. And I know Ted will have more for us tonight at 10 and right. 11. Target 12 investigator Tim White, thank you. My pleasure. Now, see, folks, what, what that tells you right now at 117, <clears throat> what that tells you on this Monday is that Channel 12 is, is very um, vested, invested in this, in this story. And it's kind of their story. And it, it, it would seem that this is going to thrust Governor McKee and his um, business with this dealings with it, I should say, back back into the spotlight again. Now, I also want to play, there is a fire happened earlier today and Channel 12, Channel 10, excuse me, Barbara Ross Silva has some fast sound on it of the firefighters um, battling the blaze. It's a kind of like the, the big local story on this Monday. Never mind in these conditions, it's not easy, but apparently the roof collapsed. This is at Allied Auto Parts. And I want to um, just quickly play, just to give you the latest on this, Monday at 118. Here's the Channel 10 story on this uh, story. Socket where crews are battling a fire at an auto parts shop. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Barbara Morse. This fire so intense, the roof caved in. NBC 10's Christina Vitale is live at the scene with the latest information. Hey, Christina. Now, we still don't know how the fire started, but it's still a very, very active scene here. Check it out behind me. You can see crews working to put out hot spots right now. There is significant damage, as you can see, to this building here. The roof pretty much caved in. This is Allied Auto Parts Company on Cumberland Hill Road in Woonsocket. The fire broke out around 9.30. When crews arrived, flames were shooting through the roof. Right now, the deputy chief tells me it's very smoky and it's hard for crews right now. They still can't see much of what's going on inside the building, but it looks from outside to have significant damage. There's also concern about items inside the building. There's a lot of combustibles within that building, so it was pretty hot. It was intense. Cut above them, that's always a dangerous situation, so we decided to back out and, and uh, use a little bit of caution, so... Officials say no one was in the building when the fire started, and one firefighter was checked out by an EMS crew for a minor injury. The state fire marshal is here on the scene. We are working to get an interview with him to get an update into this investigation and what caused this fire. Once we know more information, we'll bring that to you. Last year in Woonsocket, Christina Vitale, NBC 10 News. Okay, so that's the Channel 10 report on it. And let's see if um, <clears throat> a lot of times, folks, when you kind of listen to both. Channel 12 also has a piece on this. Uh, a lot of times they, they add little details that sometimes um, 
that is different than their competitors. So let me just play again. Crews respond to fire at Woonsocket business. Uh, roof of Woonsocket fire broke up Monday morning. Allied Auto Parts, Cumberland Hill Road. So let me, um, let's see if we can play. This is the Channel 12 story on this. Here we go. Sockets rushed to a fire reported on Cumberland Hill Road. This was the scene this morning at Allied Auto Repairs. Fire crews called here at about 9.30 this morning. Temperatures at the time remained well below freezing. Deputy Fire Chief Roger Perot tells us employees had been inside the building when the fire broke out. All of them got out safely. Nobody was seriously injured. All right. But still, a lot of busy work this morning. Well, folks, good afternoon at 121. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can uh, always listen online at the website, dipetro.com. We just also um, see uh, blah, blah, blah. That's not Okay. So she's going to run on gender. Is that what it is? Uh, uh, Let's see. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. I'm going to skip that story. You know what I wanted to then also just play was, folks, I, I recognize it's Monday. And I also recognize that um, we had the big snowstorm over the course of the weekend. But if you didn't hear, you had the police officer that was killed in New York. And then his wife got up. And spoke on Friday. You you owe it to yourself to watch that, and you get an understanding of what <clears throat> what they're what they're going through with law enforcement under attack these days. Now, also controversy on the View sparks fly. The View panel confronts Whoopi Goldberg after she says the Holocaust isn't about race. No, it's not about race. Well, consider Jews a different race, says Joy Behar. It's about white supremacy. It's about going after Jews and gypsies. Let's hear. This is the view. If you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it. Because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No. It's not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. Well, it's it's not about race. But these are white groups of people. How do we have to blame them as white people? But you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. Because black, white, Jews, uh, everybody eats each other. So is it, if you're uncomfortable, if you hear about mouse, should you be worried? Should, should your child say, oh my God, I, I wonder if that's me? No, that's not what they're going to say. They're going to say, I don't want to be like that. All right. I don't know what that music is, but that was, um, and again, folks, that I, I'll tell you, Whoopi Goldberg, I, you, you can't even have a conversation with someone like that. I mean, the stuff they, they, their idea of free speech is what, whatever they say is okay. If someone disagrees with them, they should not have the opportunity or, or be given a, a microphone to say anything. Their idea of freedom of speech is they talk and, and you listen. And there's, and, and if you don't agree with them, then, you know, you, you should forfeit your, freedom of speech so that's what it seemingly comes down to uh i want to go with some of the 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 sunday shows granted things are um really looking poor for president biden a a big part of the discussion was the supreme court and again you know president biden is surprised that the American people want him to choose who's the best qualified person and stop with all this gender politics. You know, 70, 
only 23% want him to nominate, as he had said, the first black woman to the court. You know, there, there are other people that if you want to go into, you know, we want diversity and um, best possible person, then, then, then you're not doing that. Whoopi Goldberg, this is really starting to take off. The Holocaust is not about race. No, it's not about race. Man's humanity. No, that's actually not what it was. But, um, folks, again, uh, good afternoon at 126. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and also 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, petro.com you know it's funny um today is the final day of january and it without question has been i think it's just been a very very um difficult month all right let's go back to more sound uh white house looks to ease tensions between inside the democrat party uh because of these unnamed critics let's play some of the sound apparently they've been fighting back and forth with the White House. Let's hear this. You've got this great reporting about the divide between the White House and the DNC and its chairman uh, heading into the midterm. Who's exactly going to be running the show, running the messaging here? What's the split between the two? We talked to Democrats across the board and almost universally we heard the same story, which was there's a strained relationship between the DNC and the White House. And from the DNC, well, Jamie Harrison's perspective, White House is too overbearing. They're keeping him out of key decision making, not giving him enough ability to have influence over the messaging and direction of resources. On the other side, you hear the White House complaining that Jamie Harrison isn't doing some things. He's not traveling enough. He's not leaving his hometown enough. Um, And part of our reporting showed that this got so frustrating for Jamie Harrison that at one point he considered leaving um, before his four-year term was over. Um, so this is something that is really playing out and is of concern. But to answer your question, the White House is running the show right now. And um, that's led to a lot of questions all the way around the Democratic Party asking, what's the message? Who's the messenger? How do we get these numbers back up? I spent most of the day yesterday trying to watch some of those football games, and I think about the cliche in sports that winning fixes everything. Is this a situation where all of the infighting that might be going on between a Chuck Schumer or a Ron Klain or a Jamie Harrison gets better if Democrats are able to start putting some more points on the board legislatively? Well, certainly if they were making some gains legislatively, that could help. But arguably, look, people keep talking about BDB. If it only they could only get it across the board, the, the goal line. Well, there are significant accomplishments by the Democrats. People don't care or they're not moved by it. I mean, that's the bottom line here. Um, they can say we, they passed record amount of money for, a, for, for COVID relief. They can talk about the infrastructure bill. Biden's numbers are still in the tank. So something has to change. And getting back to the DNC, you know, that's what Jamie Harrison wanted to have influence over. Hey, something has got to give here. Let me have a little more say in the direction of messaging and directing of resources. And, you know, that is the clash right now with the White House. You know, this is um, it's not going to go go away anytime soon. It just isn't. And what they seem to and again, folks, good afternoon. At 129, what they, um, 129 on this Monday, you're listening to the John DePietro show. What they, um, what, what they seem to need to understand is that the, like the clock is ticking here. The, the clock is absolutely ticking. And we still have people that want to stay in the lockdown known as COVID. So, you know, yesterday on, on Meet the Press, they had some of the governors that were in Washington. And Arizona, excuse me, Arkansas Governor Asian Hudson said, said, listen, we need to move out of the panic okay, mode here. To, here we go. Let's talk about preparing for the next wave. And I say it this way because we don't know how big it is. We don't know how small it is. But I guess I would like to think we've everybody's learned some lessons from what happened pre-Omicron. So if we assume we're going to hit get hit seasonally now. 
What do you need in the next five months before your summer? If it is another summer surge like you dealt with, what do you think needs to be done by the federal government to let you have the tools you need to handle your summer surge? Uh, well, first of all, we're delighted to see our cases going down. Mm -hmm. uh, we just peaked last week. We hope the Omicron continues to go down. We believe that it will. And I do believe that we need to move from a pandemic status Mm -hmm. uh, in mode of operation to more endemic, where we're uh, normalizing, uh, taking it very seriously, preparing. But I think we need to move out of the panic mode. Uh, I think we uh, need to handle this to make sure that we continue with our normal lives. But the response should be, and there's two things, because we know that there will be additional variants coming down the way. First of all, is to continue to build the infrastructure. So for my state and other governors, we want to make sure our testing capacity is there. Uh, we want to make sure that we have access to the therapeutics, and that's where the federal government needs to step up. Uh, we need to make sure that there's a quick production. They need to rely upon the states uh, for the distribution, and there's a lot of uh, discussions about that. They need to improve that supply chain, so let's take advantage of this going down yeah. to be better prepared uh, around the corner. Governor Murphy, how do we not run into the testing problem we ran into pre-Omicron? You're going to pre preempt this clearly, uh, and we're now getting caught up as a, as a country. Thankfully, our cases are going down. New Jersey, New York got hit earliest on all of these waves. But I think, listen, I'm, I'm, I agree with Governor Hutchison. We gotta, we're not going to manage this to zero. We have to learn how to live with this. Please, God, there's not another uh, significant wave. Every time you think you got this thing figured out, I'm you know, right there, <clears throat> I want to, you know, really emphasize what that's the governor of New Jersey. And again, folks, good afternoon at 1.32. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. But what he said right there is it's so important. And this is also the dividing line of this business of we're not, we're not going to manage it down to zero. We're not going to manage it down to zero. And, and I think there were a lot of people that were trying to approach it in a way that we would. You know, another interesting piece. This was yesterday, Meet the Press. Students value free speech but feel theirs is threatened. Students say they're less certain about the security of free speech than they were five years, uh, five years ago. I want to play this piece. Here we go. Data download time. The increasingly common public debate over free speech took a few different forms this week. But whether you're talking about podcasts on Spotify or books in Tennessee classrooms, the issue remains. Americans are divided over what, when, where, and how things can or can't be said. And nowhere is this debate more apparent than on college campuses. These days, the importance of free speech in our democracy, students almost uniformly agree on the importance here. 84% of all students, you look at demographic breakdowns, there's really barely a difference between white, non-white, male, female, when it comes to the importance of free speech. Now, when it comes to the issue of how secure free speech is in this country, well, a couple of years ago, there were majorities of Democrats, Independents, and Republican students who all felt that free speech was pretty secure in this country. Two years later, the numbers haven't changed among Democrats here, but look at this. Down almost 50% among Republican students, double digit here among independents who believe free speech in this country is not as secure as it was two years ago. And this extends in some places on college campuses themselves. Is the school's climate? Is it stifling free expression? 2016, half of students thought it did, 54%. Five years later, it's up even more, 65%. Now look, that doesn't mean that some students don't believe there should be some curbing of some speech. So for instance, there's majorities that believe colleges should be able to restrict offensive racial slurs. But go down, how about close with Confederate flags? Only a third believe that college campuses should do this. And what about presidential candidate posters? Even less than that at 10%. So this issue of free speech is something that students care about, and with their experiences on campuses these days, are worried about. Now, folks, it also, it depends on what free speech is. A lot of times, I think, if we were to translate that, um, it is kind of comical. The Whoopi Goldberg thing is really taking off. The View host Whoopi Goldberg claims the Holocaust wasn't about race. These are two white groups. See, listen, this, this is just ignorance, right? I mean, I, I don't know how she ever got on that show um 
for 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 people to even believe that she should have that type of platform when when clearly th- this is the problem when amongst her her group of of friends that she's considered and and I run into this a lot she's considered you know she's up on everything and blah 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 <clears throat> but the fact is she she actually doesn't know what she's talking about and 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 listen i think that it's completely fair that people shine a light on this stuff that you know for her to say something like that meaning Whoopi Goldberg um and doesn't even understand that it's this business of well it, it wasn't about race so let me play this again, just because it's getting a lot of attention, where Whoopi Goldberg says, no, 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 those, those are Jewish people white. It wasn't about race. It's let me, not let me play this. Also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No, it's not about race. It's about a different race. But yes. it's, it's not about race. No, it was. It's not about race. It about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity no, to man. No, that's not what it was about. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. Yes. Well, but it's not, it's not about race. But these are two white groups of people. Well, How do we have to blame them? But you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, because black, white, Jews, uh, it's how everybody eats each other. So is it, if you're uncomfortable, if you hear about mouse, should you be worried? Should, should your child say, oh my God, I, I, I wonder if that's me? No, that's not what they're going to say. They're going to say, I don't want to be. You know, they must use the music. To then um, just try to get her out, of, get her out of there, and then go into a break. That's the only thing I can think of why they would be playing that obnoxious, um, ob- ob- obnoxious um, music like that. So, but again, you know, the, the show like that um, will, in fact, continue. It, it should be they. They put a lot of people. Under the spotlight, they they also deserve then to be questioned in that manner. Folks, at one thirty eight, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM thirteen eighty and ninety nine point nine FM. Now, I also want to point out that um, the race for governor right now remains Governor McKee, Progressive Matt Brown, Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea, and then this. Former CEO of CVS, Helena Folks. Those are the Democrats right now. Republicans really don't seem to have anyone as much as people are asking about it. All right, let's go to the White House. Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, asked about a poll, showed 75% of Americans want President Biden to consider all possible nominees, not just a black woman for the Supreme Court, even though he's already said that's who he's going to choose. Let's Hear the question and answer. Our latest poll shows that it's just over three quarters of Americans, 76%, want the president to consider all possible nominees, not only black women as he pledged on the campaign trail. Um, what do you make of this, and, and why do you think that, that a majority of Americans want the president to, to take a different approach here? Well, again, what we can assure the American public of, um, whether wherever they fell on that poll, is that uh, he will choose uh, and nominate uh, someone who has impeccable credentials and is eminently qualified uh, to serve uh, as a Supreme Court justice uh, and someone who is uh, eminently qualified to serve in a lifetime appointment. Uh, He did make a promise. to the country. Uh, that's certainly how he sees it. And he's going to work hard on this choice, seeking advice and counsel from, as I noted earlier, a range of uh, leaders, of experts. Um, and that's something that he is already pursuing uh, this week. I would note that there's a long history here. Um, President Reagan promised the country he would nominate the country's first woman to serve on the court, and he did so. Uh, former President Trump also promised to choose a woman ju- uh, just over a year ago, and there was no such complaint uh, from the voices 
voices on the right who are speaking out now. Uh, but the president's commitment uh, is to uh, deliver on the promise he made to the country. But he has, there's no question in his mind that there is a wealth of qualified, talented uh, black women to choose. You know, that, that's, again, that's White House speak, but he, he already said that he's going to choose a, a woman of color. So where do you go from that to say that you're, you know, you're willing to look at there's a, a variety of different people that he's going to consider? Well, actually, he, he's, he's not considering a lot of different people um, to, to just to, to say for the for President Biden to say he's going to choose a woman of color for. The Supreme Court, and then for his press person to say that, well, he, he's gonna he's gonna look at a lot of different people. He's gonna consider a lot of different uh, different qualifications. Well, that's that's actually not what he said. He he's already stated that in fact that who he's going to be considering. Um, I I don't. I don't understand how they they absolutely trying to you know have it both ways, and you, you you can't have it both ways. So he he shouldn't have said he's going to have such a narrow search. There's there's the real answer, right? President Biden should have said we're going to wait and see, and we'll pick the the right person, but. You know, he has already backed himself into a corner on this. Now, folks, at 142 on this Monday, um, Governor McKee, I, I'm anxious to see how Governor McKee this week wants to try to get things back on track after a, a, a difficult week last week. And... Already, it would seem that Channel 12 is going to come out with a story that's going to disrupt it. I also want to play, let's go to some sound of, this is Tucker Carlson. Now, folks, this is happening at Quonset, where they're secretly flying people into Quonset, illegals from the border. Tucker Carlson did a segment on it regarding the fact they're doing this in New York. Let's hear it. We've obtained exclusive body cam footage from the police department in Westchester County, New York. The footage shows about 100 apparently illegal immigrants, mostly teenagers, getting off a charter flight in the middle of the night in Westchester. The migrants then get on buses. Someone on the tape describes how, quote, DHS wants this on the lowdown. In other words, secret, so you won't know about it, despite the fact you're a U.S. citizen who was paying for it. They're hiding it from you. They're doing this without your consent, speaking of an attack on democracy. In the footage... Westchester police express their frustration with what's happening. So we've been having, uh, you know, you're on a, a secure facility here, and, and we don't really know anything. We're in charge of security, so that's where we're having a problem here. So, yeah, we're hanging out here on the tarmac, yeah. just like that. I, I don't know anybody. Pick up, uh, I just pick up basketball. Now, just to be completely clear, what she just saw is illegal. That's a crime. That's why they're keeping it secret. The U.S. government is not allowed to abet the breaking of federal law. Sorry. And that's exactly what they're doing. In the footage, a government contractor explains that the flights of illegal immigrants arrive at smaller airports to keep them hidden from the public. Just changing the population of your country, the one you were born in, but keeping it secret from you and then attacking you with some kind of bigot if you notice it. That's the game. Have you figured it out yet? Well, a different contractor offered his explanation for why this is all secret. 
Why? Why? Yeah. Uh, so, but, uh, what's, what's the big secret? Everybody knows it's happening. You know why? The government is betraying the American people. That is true. The Biden administration is changing this country without your consent. It's a crime and it's immoral. Rob Astorino is a former Westchester County executive. He's running for governor of the state of New York. He first obtained this body. He came footage through a FOIA request. We're happy to have him join us tonight, Mr. Astorino. Thanks so much for coming on. I, I, that's evidence of a crime, as far as I can tell. Our government is completely out of control right now. They have lied to us. They've lied to the American people. Uh, I saw what Bill did last night uh, down on the southern border where men are just getting into cabs and, and being put into communities. That's what they're doing here. Southern border crisis. They're waving them in. They're putting on planes, sending them to airports closed at night like Westchester, putting them on buses. And I saw with my own eyes, after they denied it, by the way, that they were put to uh, onto a, a bus to a Costco and then released into cars, into the community. Now they keep saying it's just unaccompanied kids, completely a lie. And that these kids were not gonna go into our own area, completely a lie. They're putting into schools in Westchester, Long Island, the surrounding suburbs. So it is a complete breakdown of our system. It is a betrayal, as that gentleman said, a betrayal to the American people. And, and of course, when I'm asking these questions, when I broke this in August, of course, what do you think the response was, Tucker? You're racist. a racist, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're mean. Okay, answer the question when you're done with that, and they won't. They deflect and they lie continuously. So, uh, you sort of, I mean, bless you for saying that out loud. You're not a racist, most Americans are not. It's the least racist country in the history of the world. So at what point do normal people, Democrats and Republicans, say, you're not going to control me with that slur anymore? Answer the question. Well, that's it. We kept pressing them, and they kept telling us nonsense. And this is all they do, right? And where's Governor Kathy Hochul? She's complicit in this, too, oh. because she's turning a whole blind eye to all of this. It's happening right in our communities, in her state. She's more occupied about masking kids in schools and coddling criminals than she is about this. Now, the public has the right to know. It's a public health issue. We're under our own orders in New York. I can't go into restaurants without showing a vaccination card or masking, you know, indoors. And she's refusing to do anything about this. As people are coming in, adults, we have no idea what their backgrounds are, where they're going, where they're being placed. You know, this is a public safety issue. But more than anything, it's our own government not telling us answers to our questions. And we're footing the bill on all of this. That's exactly right. Boy, that's so nicely put. Boy, I hope you win. You have an unelected governor right now. <laughs> well, I hope people go to my Twitter country. account or any of my social media. We're going to put video up again right now, some more video. And it, it's just totally outrageous what's happening in this country, in New York. And people, and I'm glad Loudoun County and, and just normal people are standing up right now and saying enough is enough. Yes. We're going to take back our country. All we want. Normal people, Democrats, Republicans, is for the law to be enforced exactly. and to, for people to listen to us. Well, folks, and again, good afternoon. Right now at 149, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. This portion of the program, uh, excuse me, is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Hey, I bet you were cooped up all weekend long. A great meal is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So it's a sunny Monday. The um, lot of melting going on as the week goes along. Hopefully uh, we'll have even more melting and get rid of some of the snow. You know, there's a, a, a lot of attention on what's going on with the thousands of truckers in Canada. Have you seen this? Have formed a protest, a uh, uh, protest, uh, a, a convoy to protest the country's vaccine mandate. I want to play. This is um, Tucker Carlson talking about these thousands of truckers in Canada. Canada <clears throat> just imposed a vaccine mandate for truckers. This in addition to so many other lunatic corona restrictions. Well, finally, they've had enough. Thousands of truckers assembled in Vancouver this weekend to protest. They formed a freedom convoy. Their destination, the Canadian capital of Ottawa. The convoy is more than 40 miles long. They've raised more than $6 million in donations. The government is cracking down trying to stop this. Now the Prime Minister, so-called of Canada, Justin Trudeau, says he's had a COVID exposure 
needs to isolate for five days. That means he cannot meet with the convoy with actual voters when it arrives in the capital city. Trudeau also told his country the truckers are just a fringe group. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians. Oh, so they're not really Canadians. Probably racist, too. I'm sure we'll hear that. Benjamin Dichter is a spokesman for the Freedom Convoy. He's going to join us tomorrow, but he joins us now. Mr. Dichter, thanks so much for coming on tonight. T tell us why you're doing this. What's the point of this convoy? Well, it's simple. I mean, we've seen Canada go from uh, a country of Justin Trudeau's promises of sunny ways into dark authoritarian oppression and control. Yes. We want to do, we want two things. We want to get rid of the vaccine mandates and the passports. And the passports is, is that's a really concerning one. Yesterday, it was my first time ever crossing the border in my truck with my digital passport. And I held my phone up to the border agent to give him the QR code. You know what he said to me? Oh, it's okay. I don't need it. So what do you mean you don't need it? So, oh, your truck, your phone already popped up on my screen and is correlated with your passport. Can you think of that? Can you believe that? So they know everybody who's coming up to the border before they're there and they're tracking them. Now, maybe it's outlandish, but what's to prevent the government from introducing that across, the Canada, across Canada and not limiting it? to just borders and you guys are getting it as well and you can thank us for it because apparently according to our sources within the media and within government we have some some close ties apparently the Trudeau government the Biden administration administration had no interest in it but the Trudeau government lobbied and requested the Biden administration to introduce this. We don't know why. We don't know the terms of the deal. Are they going to be trading intelligence back and forth between Canada and U.S. tracking cell phones? Of course, we have no idea. But this is where we're going if this does not stop. That's why this is the line. This is where it ends. Well, I mean, two things. One, you know, you drive a truck for a living. Your country hours, you know, thousands of multiple credentialed intellectuals who are paid to think about this stuff. Why is it falling to you to connect the obvious dot? God bless you for that. And second, do you think that you can stop this with your trucks? Why does it follow to follow us? Because we're the ones who actually suffer the repercussions. You know, yeah. we often see, in, uh, we talk about Alberta being Canada's energy sector. I was in Alberta and Saskatchewan just before COVID. And Tucker, I spent a lot of time traveling through Latin America. I couldn't believe it. It looked like a third world country. It scared me. And that was before COVID. So now these people who've had their, their in, uh, industries crushed, their lives crushed, COVID comes along, and now they're treated like insects by the bureaucracy. Exactly, by insects. Wow. Benjamin Dictor, I hope you will come back. I've All right, folks, and again, um, good afternoon, 154 on this uh, Monday. I want to also um, just play for you that the situation regarding the, the fire, that's really a big local story for the day, fire in Woonsocket. Um at this auto parts store as that we've been reporting on and fortunately it does not seem that there's been anyone injured but it was still a very uh these are tough conditions let alone for firefighters out there having to be uh battled the the elements and something like this because it's so cold because of all the snow uh, and everything else. And remember, this portion of the program is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. If you're in an accident, pick up the phone. Did someone hit your vehicle? Call West Fountain right now, 272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body. This is the Channel 10 story on the fire. This fire so intense, the roof caved in. And NBC 10's Christina Vitale is live at the scene with the latest information. Hey, Christina. Barbara. Now, we still don't know how the fire...
fire started, but it's still a very, very active scene here. Check it out behind me. You can see crews working to put out hot spots right now. There is significant damage, as you can see, to this building here. The roof pretty much caved in. This is Allied Auto Parts Company on Cumberland Hill Road in Woonsocket. The fire broke out around 9.30. When crews arrived, flames were shooting through the roof. Right now, the deputy chief tells me it's very smoky and it's hard for crews right now. They still can't see much of what's going on inside the building, but it looks from outside to have significant damage. There's also concern about items inside the building. There's a lot of combustibles within that building, so it was pretty hot. It was intense. Got above them, and that's always a dangerous situation. So we decided to back out and, and uh, use a little bit of caution. So. Officials say no one was in the building when the fire started, and one firefighter was checked out by an EMS crew for a minor injury. All right, so that is the latest on this fire that uh, happened earlier. Folks, as I was mentioning, good afternoon on this Monday, final day of January. It's brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Were you in in an accident? Maybe someone hit your vehicle. They slipped on the snow or ice or, I mean, their car skidded. Call West Fountain Auto Body. If your vehicle has been damaged, you need to take it to an auto body shop. And I implore you to take it to my friends at West Fountain Auto Body. You can call them at 401-272-3340. You want Kenny Salvatore, 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They're right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. West Fountain Auto Body, 401 272 3340. Remember, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. So if someone damaged your vehicle, and it can happen, this type of weather with all the snow and ice that is melting, call West Fountain. If someone damaged your car and you need to get it fixed, you can depend on West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. The original, the best. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company, and they'll repair your vehicle, get it back on the road West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 157. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depetro.com. So the big news, the storm, thank goodness, has come and gone. A lot of snow still get out of there. It's still a lot of snow out there. Now, as I was mentioning, as the week goes along, Today, there's some melting because uh, the the sun is out. And then tomorrow, it's going to be a little bit warmer. And then Wednesday, even a little warmer. And then Thursday, warmer and rain. And then Friday, a lot of rain and a lot of water. Um, and a lot of melting, I should say, because of what the temperatures are going to be. And then it's going to freeze up over the weekend. So um, it is uh, the Super Bowl has been decided. And then in the in the meantime, um, <clears throat> Patriots certainly have some adjustments to, to make with Josh McDaniels apparently leaving now. He's going to coach the Raiders in Las Vegas. So a lot of questions in the offseason. And then, you know, as Saturday demonstrated, when Tom Brady does, in fact, make it official, it's kind of going to be a big story as that shot everywhere. And then it led to uh, confusion, and then it sounds like whatever announcement is, he's not ready to make one right now. All right. Listen, it's John DePietro. Thank you for listening. Folks, visit the website, DePietro.com. In the meantime, stay tuned. You're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. I will be doing Facebook later. Again, you're going to hear more news about that fire earlier coming up in the 2 o'clock news. And then... um, Thank goodness, no storms this week. No storms, certainly not on the horizon. So whatever snow totals are there will slowly start to go by the wayside. And then obviously the situation in uh, Russia and Ukraine remains very, very serious. Listen, enjoy this Monday. Careful out on the roads. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. WNRI, Woonsocket. WNRI.